0: Good morning. I want to welcome you to worship at Calvary. My name is Emily, and I'm one of the ministers on staff here at Calvary. We are so glad that you have chosen to join us in worship on this first Sunday of Lent. If you are a guest with us this morning, we welcome you, and we would love the opportunity to get to know you better. There is a welcome card in the pew in front of you, We invite you to fill that out and put it in the offering plate towards the end of the service. This will allow us to connect with you and to get to know you better, as well as answer any questions that you may have about our ministries and life together as a church. So please do fill out that welcome card and put it in the offering plate towards the end of the service today. On this card, there is also a place for prayer requests. If you have something that you would like for us to keep in prayer, please feel free to share that with us by writing it on this card. We enjoy praying for you, and we would love to serve you in that way. In the season of Lent, we are reminded that God is revealed to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We are reminded of the pain and suffering that Jesus went through, which brings us to grief and repentance. We are also reminded that our Jesus is the Messiah, the King. But this King redefines his kingship into one of servant leadership. As we enter into this season of Lent, let us take this opportunity to intentionally return to the God who is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. This Jesus is called the Beloved. Let's join together in worship.
1: God, we acknowledge your presence with us here today. Thank you for your presence in this place and in all of life. We know you are here in every moment of our lives, yet we live with such doubt, doubting that you are here in spite of all that you do to show us otherwise. Oh God, help us to trust you more. We acknowledge today that we, like your children of old, feel as if we are in a barren land a land in which our young are not safe in their schools, where we doubt the sincerity of others around us, a land in which lies are more common than truth. We are in a mess, O God, and we acknowledge it. We bow to you today asking for your forgiveness. Forgive us for not standing for right when right might be unpopular and maybe misperceived. Forgive us for being lulled into dullness places where the pain of injustice is so common that we fail to see it, much less empathize with others. We acknowledge today that there have been 18 school shootings in this year. Have mercy on us, O God. Give us clarity to do something. We lament for those families who will never again be complete, for potential gone all too soon, for dreams shattered by gunfire, and for our decreased sensitivity. God, save us from being desensitized. Have mercy on us, O God. And finally, God, we acknowledge that some of us wish it weren't Lent. We'd just as soon skip these 40 days and move right on to Easter. Some of us are not fond of confession. Giving up something is not appealing to us, and being contemplative is maddening. The thought of looking inward to our messed up lives scares us to death. We're not seeing how we're up for it again this year. For those of us who wish to leave Lent behind, give us courage. Courage to peek inside. Courage to consider change. Courage to ride on the coattails of others through this season. Courage to persist one more day. Courage to believe that joy does come in the morning courage to walk and not become weary. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, our Savior, who is with us always and walks with us every step of the way. Amen.
2: A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew.
3: While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body.
2: Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom.
3: A reading from the Epistle to the Philippians.
2: If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind.
3: And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross.
2: Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father.
3: Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you to both, both to will and to work for his good pleasure.
2: A reading from the first epistle of John.
3: See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are.
2: The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him.
3: Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed.
2: What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure.
3: The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God.
4: Everyone, could I have the children come up front and join me for the message, please? Okay, can anyone tell me what special season we're celebrating now? Awesome. Valentine's Day was last week, you're right. Easter's coming up, that's really good. Jada? Lent, that's right. Can anybody tell me what Lent is? It's kind of a hard one. Davis, do you know? No. Is it what you find in your pocket? No? Then what is it? You don't know? Okay. Who is here for our Ash Wednesday service? Which was on Valentine's Day. I can see how that could be confusing. Yeah, you were here. You get ashes on your forehead? Across, yeah. Do we know what the ashes mean? Yeah, we are dust and we go back to dust. So it reminds us to be grateful of the time that we have on earth, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, So it also reminds us that Jesus died for us, right? And we get to be in heaven one day with God because he died for us. So we don't have to die for our own sins. So the time leading up to Easter Dane is called Lent. Do you know how long Lent lasts for, Katie? 40 days, days, that's right. That's not including the Sundays, but 40 is really important in the Bible, and we see it a few times. Do we know of any other times we see 40? Yes, he was in the desert for 40 days. Do you know what he was doing there? He was fasting, yeah. That's very good. Y'all must go to Sunday school. So he was fasting because he was about to get tempted, right? So he was preparing. So just like Jesus was preparing to be tempted in the desert, we prepared during Lent to celebrate Easter. So do you know what we do to prepare? Your parents might do it a little bit more than you. I don't know. Katie? Yeah, we give something up. That's right. So why do we give something up? Do you know? Is it because it's fun? no you don't like it it's not fun okay so then why would we do it if it's not fun yeah so jesus made a sacrifice for us so we make a sacrifice to help remind us to spend some time with him a little bit extra time and we can pray and sometimes if we give up things that cost money we can put that money Um, to other things that are good, like charities and church, so that way it can help other people, right? Yeah, and we can spend extra time with God. Are any of you giving anything up for Lent? Or your parents? Do you want to tell on your parents? No? I'm giving up social media, which I think a lot of people do, and being impatient with other people when I drive, which is very hard. No matter how many Baylor students step out in front of my car. Yeah? Okay. Do you want to maybe think about stuff you can give up? Do you have any ideas, Jada? Candy? Yeah. Well, and that must be really hard because you almost have a lot from Valentine's Day, right? No? Did you eat it all? I've already gotten one report of sugar sickness this morning. Okay. Well, sometimes it helps to pray to help God show you what you should give up, too. So whether you do that this year or next year, that's always a good idea. And maybe you can talk to your parents about it, too. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. Should I pray? Okay, we're going to pray before I send you back. You ready? Dear God, thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. Please help us to sacrifice for you and the people around us as well. And as we sacrifice, help us to remember to put you first and to spend extra time with you. In your name, amen.
5: excerpts from the book, Life of the Beloved, by Henry Nowen, published in 1992.
6: Ever since you asked me to write about the spiritual life, I have been wondering if there might be one word I would most want you to remember when you finished reading all I wish to say.
5: Over the past year, that special word has gradually emerged from the depths of my own heart. It is the word, Beloved. Being a Christian, I first learned this word from the story of the baptism of Jesus of Nazareth.
6: No sooner had Jesus come up out of the water than he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit like a dove descending on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. My favor rests on you. Our many conversations
5: led me to the inner conviction that the words, You are my Beloved, reveal the most intimate truth about all human beings. All I want to say to you is, you are the beloved. And I hope that that you can hear these words spoken to you with all the tenderness and force that love can hold.
6: However, it certainly is not easy to hear that voice in a world filled with voices that shout, you You are are no good, good. you You are ugly, you are are worthless." worthless. You You are are despicable. despicable. You You are are nobody nobody unless you can demonstrate the the opposite. Though the experience of being the beloved has never been completely absent from my life, I never claimed it as my core truth. I kept running around it in large or small circles, always looking for someone or something able to convince me of my belovedness it was as if I kept refusing
5: to hear the voice that speaks from the very depth of my being. That voice has always been there, but it seems that I was much more eager to listen to other voices, louder voices saying,
6: prove Prove that that you you are are worth something. something. Do Do something relevant, spectacular, or powerful, powerful, and then you will earn the love you so desire.
5: Meanwhile, the soft, gentle voice that speaks in the silence and solitude of my heart remained unheard, or at least unconvincing. I think you understand what I'm talking about.
6: Aren't you, like me, hoping that some person, thing, or event will come along to give you that final feeling of inner well-being you desire?
5: But as long as you are waiting for that mysterious moment, you will go on running helter-skelter, always anxious and restless, always lustful and angry, never fully satisfied.
6: You know that this is the compulsiveness that keeps us going and busy, but at the same time makes us wonder whether we are getting anywhere in the long run.
5: This is the way to spiritual exhaustion and burnout. This This is is the way way to to spiritual spiritual death.
6: But listening to that voice with great inner attentiveness, I hear at my center words that say, I I have have called called you by by name name from from the the very very beginning.
5: You are mine and I am yours. You You are are my beloved.
6: On you my my favor rests. rests. I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have carved you in the
5: palms of my hands and hidden you in the shadow of my embrace.
6: I look at you with infinite tenderness and care for you with a care more intimate than that of a mother for her child.
5: I have counted every hair on your head
6: and guided you at every step. Wherever you go, I go with you, and wherever you rest, I keep watch. I will give you food that will
5: satisfy all your hunger and drink that will quench all your thirst. Wherever Wherever you you are, I will be. be. Every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a deep desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply.
6: It is like discovering a well in the desert. Once you have touched wet ground, you want to dig deeper.
5: I have been doing a lot of digging lately, and I know that I am just beginning to see a little stream bubbling through the sand.
6: I have to keep digging because that little stream comes from a huge reservoir beneath the desert of my life. There may be quite
5: a pile of sand in our lives, but the one who so desires to quench our thirst will help us to remove it. All All we we really really need is a great desire to find the water and drink
6: from it.
7: Oh gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing to you. Oh Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer, amen. Alyssa Hadef was 14. In a Facebook post, her mother said, Alyssa was a talented soccer player, and creative writer with an amazing personality. Scott Beagle, 35, was a geography teacher in the school's cross-country coach. A student interviewed by Good Morning America said that Beagle saved her life. He unlocked the door and let us in, she said, but then I turned around and he wasn't there. Martin Duque Anguiano was known as a very funny kid. He was sweet, and caring and loved by all his family. Nicholas Dorett was the team captain of the swim team. Everyone called him swim daddy for the way he helped his teammates train and practice and he had already received a college scholarship to study physical therapy. Aaron Feast was the school's assistant assistant football coach who died while shielding students from bullets. He died the same way he lived, he put himself second, the team spokesperson said. Jamie Gutenberg danced nonstop, sometimes for several hours at a time. She always looked out for the underdog and the bullied, and she probably had been kind to the student who shot her, a family member said. Chris Hickson, 49, was the school's athletic director and wrestling coach. Coach Hickson was a father figure to me, said a senior team member. He was fatally injured after he raced to the scene to help students. Luke Warrior, 15, played basketball and was an NBA fan. He was quiet but happy, his cousin told the New York Times. I know Luke loved his family. He had a huge heart. Kara Lofgren loved the beach. She adored her cousins and she was an excellent student, her family said. Gina Maltalto was a member of the school's winter color guard team. One of the team's choreographers wrote on her Facebook, we lost a beautiful soul tonight. Joaquin Oliver moved with his family to the US from Venezuela when he was three. Friends told The Times that he played basketball in a city rec league and loved to write poetry. His nickname was Guac because people often mispronounced his first name. Elena Petty was an active member of her church who had helped to clean up the Florida Keys after Hurricane Irma last summer. Her selfless service brought peace and joy to those who had lost everything in a storm, her family said. Meadow Pollock was just unbelievable, her father said. She was a strong-willed girl who had everything going for her. Nothing could ever stop her from what she wanted to achieve. Helena Ramsey had a relentless motivation toward her academic studies, and her soft, warm demeanor brought out the best in everyone who knew her, her family said. Alex Shotster played trombone in the marching band and was proud to have won the state championship last year. His father told the Times that he was a sweetheart of a kid who just wanted to do well and make his parents happy. Carmen Shintrup was a standout student. In September, she was named a National Merit Semifinalist. Her cousin wrote that she was the smartest 16-year-old he had ever met. Peter Wang was friends with just about everyone. He was in study hall when the shooting began and he had been holding a door open so others could escape before him. His family owned a Chinese restaurant and was preparing to celebrate Chinese New Year on Thursday. You see, I've been reflecting this week on what it means to be God's beloved for this worship series. But all I could think about after Wednesday were the 17 of God's beloved, 17 who were shot and killed at Marjory Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, after a student came to campus with a semi-automatic AR-15 rifle. I had spent several hours combing through commentaries and dictionaries at the library trying to find a good definition of what it means to be beloved. But then I realized that what I was looking for and perhaps the word that we needed to hear today didn't come from a book hidden away on the third floor of Moody Library. Instead. Pictures and stories of God's beloved were plastered across every phone, computer, and television screen that we saw this week. And what I needed to understand what beloved means was to look at their faces and to read their stories and to weep. Now nothing within me wanted to do this. I didn't want to sit there and scroll through picture after picture. I didn't want to know their names and I definitely didn't want to have to say them aloud to you today. The more shootings that happen, the better that you and I have become at compartmentalizing them. It's just easier that way. And sometimes I think we would much rather be numb to the horrific shootings that are happening over and over and over again than to feel their pain each time. So then I thought, well maybe I'll just start out and share a few of the stories today. There probably won't be time to go through all 17 of them anyway. But then I came across another story, and another, and another picture, and another, each one compelling, each one unique. And I realized that cutting any of them out would be missing the point entirely because each one of the 17 is a beloved child of God. One of today's texts is found in 1 John 3, which tells us, See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And it's true, there is nothing we could do to make God love us any more, and there is nothing we could do to make God love us any less. Friends, we are God's beloved. And as First John emphatically reminds us, that is what we are, as if he knew we weren't going to get it the first time around. Yet so often we are sometimes the worst at believing this about ourselves, much less other people. This week, I had the chance to attend Waco ISD's inaugural Female Student Empowerment Summit, and it was an incredible event. And I was so proud to see some of our young women from Calvary who were able to participate as well. The keynote speaker, Dr. Jolanda Jones, shared about her life story with us. She grew up in the third ward of Houston and she was often the primary caregiver for her four younger siblings while her mother worked. There were times when her family went without water, electricity, or heat. And when Jones was a teenager, their rent house actually burned down from candles they were using in the place of electricity. But despite all of the odds against her, she went on to become an internationally recognized athlete and later a lawyer standing up for the marginalized and disenfranchised, a Houston ISD school board member, a community activist, and a contestant on the TV show Survivor. But of everything she endured throughout her life, Dr. Jones said that what was the most difficult for her to overcome was hearing the awful things her mother had said to her growing up. Her mother said things like, I hate you. You're worthless. No one will ever love you. You'll never amount to anything, and I wish you had never been born. And she said of all of the challenges she had experienced in life, the worst by far, she said was hearing these words from her mother and then coming to believe them about herself. It wasn't until she became an adult that she finally asked her mom, mom, why, why did you say all these awful things about me and why did you have to do that to me? And her mom said, I'm so sorry, baby. I was so young at the time and those were the exact same things my mama told me about me. And so I believed them. And without even knowing I was doing it, I passed them on to you. Because when we believe that we are worthless, we will treat others as worthless too. When we hate ourselves, we will hate others too. And when we don't think we are worthy of love, we don't treat others as being worthy of love either. And so if anyone in this room has ever been told any of those things, and if anyone in this room has ever become to believe any of those things are true about yourself, then hear nothing else I say today but this. You are a beloved child of God. That is what you are. And I want us to take a moment right now and I'm gonna invite you to turn to the person sitting beside you, in front of you, or behind you and to say to them, you are a beloved child of God. And even look around. If somebody is sitting out by themselves, get, o- get up and go over to them and say to them, you are a child of God. Let's do it together. Friends, we are beloved children of God. And when we truly come to believe this about ourselves, I fully believe that we will begin to treat others in the same way too. But I also want to add an additional text for us to consider today. And that is John 11 and the death of Lazarus. Verse one of John 11 tells us that a certain man named Lazarus was ill and Lazarus was beloved. So Mary and Martha send a message to Jesus and say, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Except that when Jesus gets there, it's too late. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now those of us who know the rest of the story know that God works to bring about new life on the third day. There is something significant about the third day. But Jesus arrives on the fourth day, and on the fourth day, things are pretty hopeless. It's too late. And Mary and Martha are pretty upset with Jesus. They both say to him, Lord, if only you had been here, he would not have died. This would not have happened. Verse 33 tells us that Jesus is greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved by what has happened. And in verse 35, Jesus begins to weep. And you know, the fact that our God weeps brings me great comfort after a week like the one we've had. I don't know that I will ever forget the picture of the mother weeping with the Ash Wednesday cross smeared across her forehead from the news this week. And this text reminds us that even when we are completely hopeless, in the Ash Wednesday moments when life truly becomes dust, Our God is a God who weeps with us. But then Jesus does something else, something completely unexpected. Verse 38 says, Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, which is the second time this is mentioned about him, Jesus gets up, goes to the tomb, and says, Take away the stone. And Mary looks at him like, what in the world are you doing? There is a stench here because he has been dead so long. There's nothing you can do now. It's too late. But Jesus goes about his business of bringing about new life. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walks out of the tomb. It's one of those unbelievable, I don't know what to do with this moments in our gospel. And I love what Pastor Becca Blake at Beacon Church in Philadelphia shared this week in light of this text. She said, Jesus wept and was greatly disturbed, and then he got to work, raising Lazarus from the dead. And so friends, there is time for you and me to weep and to be disturbed but then she says there is also holy and important work to be done to lift up life. And suddenly this text reminds me that our weeping over God's beloved ultimately calls us to action on behalf of God's beloved. This Lent, we are beginning a new series here at Calvary on becoming the beloved. It's inspired by the book, Life of the Beloved, by Henry Nowen, which we heard an excerpt from earlier. And you're welcome to read it and to follow along if you like, but it is not at all required reading. And Lent, as we've heard about in our children's message, is often characterized by these 40 days of repentance in the life of the church leading up to Easter. Now, sometimes Christians will give up a habit or a practice That they sense really distracts them or draws them away from Christ during Lent. And then at other times, we take on a habit or a practice that could draw us closer to Christ. And as you and I reflect on our identity as God's beloved, and as we reflect on our neighbor's identity as God's beloved, I can't help but wonder how that might impact what practices or actions we give up or take on this Lenten season. After all, as Nowen writes in his book, as long as being the beloved is little more than a beautiful thought or lofty idea that hangs above my life to keep me from becoming too depressed, nothing really changes. But becoming the beloved is pulling the truth revealed to me from above down into the ordinariness of what I am, in fact, thinking of, talking about, and doing from hour to hour. Friends, if we truly believe that we are beloved by God, what difference does that make in our lives? What difference does it make to those voices we hear in our heads, the ones That we can't seem to turn off, but seem to narrate our lives hour by hour and sometimes moment by moment? What difference does it make in the ways that we care for our bodies, our minds, and our souls? What difference does it make in the way that we spend our time? What difference does it make in the way that we show up in the world and in the ways that we share of ourselves and our lives with other people? And what difference does their belovedness make to us? What difference does it make in the way that we treat people in our classes at school or people in the checkout line at HeB? What difference does it make to the people that are sitting beside us in the pews today and the people with whom we share life day in and day out? Friends, what difference does it make that we are the beloved of God? And what difference does it make when we turn on the news and hear about yet another horrific shooting from another horrific assault rifle that has taken 17 beloved children of God from this world far too soon. An article in Ethics Daily this week said that in 2018 alone, excuse me, in 2018 alone, there have already been 30 acts of mass gun violence resulting in 58 deaths and 169 injuries. And we're not even two months into the year. The numbers are staggering. And according to the Gun Violence Archive since 2013, there have been 6,613 incidents involving guns resulting in 1,834 deaths and 3,161 injuries. 416 of which have happened to children younger than 17. With this week's shooting, three of the ten deadliest mass shootings in modern U.S. history have come in the last five months. But friends, if we believe that these statistics aren't just numbers to be analyzed, but that they represent the names and faces of people who have been created in God's image and are beloved children of God, then we can't just gloss over them, can we? And if we believe that these 17 are beloved children of God, then offering our thoughts and prayers may certainly be an appropriate start to expressing our care and concern, but it's not enough. And if we believe that these 17 are beloved children of God and that what happened in Parkland and Sutherland Springs and Newtown and Las Vegas and Charleston and Orlando and so many other places happened to so many other beloved children of God, then that requires some action on our part. As my friend Alan Shiraus from First Baptist Greensboro, North Carolina wrote this week, We are all Parkland, because this is the world, and it's not some scary place far beyond my reach. It's not some place that imposes something on my children from which I'm otherwise shielding them. It's the place I live. It's within my control. It's the place that I am co-creating. God created a garden, a beautiful, perfect garden, but we have created the world as it is. So this is the world that as we have made it, as I have made it. Christ forgive us, Lord have mercy. And so yes, there is certainly a time for you and for me to weep and to be greatly disturbed. And Jesus meets us in those spaces. But even as we are disturbed, there is also a time for us to partner with Jesus in the holy and important work to lift up life. And my hope and prayer is that our Lenten journey of becoming the Beloved will beckon us forward into that kind of work for and with and on behalf of other beloved children of God. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. May we live into that reality. Amen. And so, God, we come today with heavy hearts, and we come today weeping, and we come today disturbed. And we thank you that you are not this far off removed God, but you are a God who meets us in our tears and who meets us in our pain because you have been there too. And God, as we seek to follow in the way of Jesus, I pray that you would help us to know what following Jesus looks like in these days of 2018 in these days of violence, in these days when far too many beloved children of God are being taken far too soon. God, give us courage to speak out. Give us patience to listen to one another. Give us empathy to hear one another's stories. And then give us boldness to follow in the way of Jesus. We ask these things in your name amen. Well, you may be here today feeling as if God has been calling you, beloved, for quite some time, and calling and calling and calling, but you've never responded to that call, and you've never responded to this overwhelming love. However, that love beckons us to know and to follow Jesus, and we would love to talk with you about that today or maybe you are feeling led to become part of our beloved community here at Calvary, where we seek to know and to follow Christ together in this place. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship.
0: As we share in the Lord's Supper today, we'll be coming to different stations around the sanctuary. There are three stations at the front of the sanctuary and a gluten free station in the back. You are invited to come to the station nearest to you. Please exit your pew on the right and return on the left.
8: If you'd like to receive the Lord's Supper at your seat, please raise your hand and a deacon will come to you. Children who have not yet made a profession of faith are invited to come to the front and receive a blessing.
0: On the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he gathered with his friends for a meal. He took bread and he gave thanks for it. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. Saying, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me.
8: Jesus also took the cup, He blessed it, and he gave it to his friends, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Drink. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes again.
0: Today we remember, we remember that night Jesus spent with his friends, we remember Christ's body broken for us and Christ's blood shed for us, and we know that God's presence is with us now.
8: Let us give thanks to the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, recognizing the Trinity's work among us then and now, and trusting and the work that is yet to come.
0: May we who experience Christ's welcome at this table today take the welcome out from this place to where tables are reserved and doors are closed. May the spirit of peace open our hearts and drive us to be peacemakers in a world that so desperately needs peace. May the spirit of love compel us to recognize and celebrate Christ's belovedness in all people. Come to the table and experience Christ's loving welcome. And as you go, know that the Spirit goes with you. Come to the table.
9: Would you pray with me? God of love and light, we have gathered here today for many reasons. And we confess that some of those reasons were selfish. Some were of perceived obligation. And some of us needed a message of hope in a weary world. Finally, some came today out of a desire to experience your presence in this place. Regardless of why we are here at the corner of 18th and Bosque, we know that you have called us your beloved. The passage read by Joshua and Lydia from Philippians reminds us that you work in your beloved to will and to act according to your very good purpose. Help us to embrace being the beloved, that we may be prepared to bestow that affirmation of identity onto others. And during this Lenten season, guide us to consider what difference that makes in each of our lives, in each area of our lives. In your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
7: Calvary, it is my joy to introduce you to to quite a few new people today. Let's see, first, Clayton, would you come up and join me? I hope you've gotten to meet Clayton Crenshaw, who's been with us for quite a few months now, off and on. Clayton is the music librarian at Baylor, and has been doing that for about five years. And he's actually coming back to Calvary after being here in the 80s when he was a grad student. And so he's excited to come back and to to call Calvary home once again. When I asked Clayton what he is passionate about, he's passionate about music and is excited to be part of music ministry here. And he plays the saxophone and the clarinet, which I thought was pretty cool. So Clayton, we are excited you are here today. And now I'm gonna ask the Hatcher family if you all would join us up here. Here, Clayton, I'm gonna switch spots with you. Yep, there we go. So this is, well, y'all are out of order. Oh No, 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 you're (laughs) So down here, oh, 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 nice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got it. Thank you so much. See, we are so adaptable at Calvary. <laughs> Actually, I was not—I was not being adaptable at all. So this is Kirk and Jill Hatcher and their sons, Kaden and Dylan. Um, Kirk and no, Jill and Dylan moved here in the fall because Jill started working in spiritual life at Baylor, and Dylan started at Midway and was also joining the band and the percussion group there. And then Kirk and Kaden came at the beginning of this year, Um, and so they are glad to be together as a family. Before this, they were in Norman, Oklahoma for 10 years, uh, where Kirk was on staff at First Baptist Norman. Um, They as a family are very passionate about missions, and they said, if you don't know us for very long, you will start to hear about ministry in Lima, Peru, that they are very passionate about, and have been involved in um, for 13 years or so. Um, let's see, Jill is Project Coordinator for Missions at Spiritual Life, um, and they also have another son, Britton, who's a senior at Baylor in accounting, accounting and doing his internship in Houston. And so we are excited to welcome you all to the Calvary family as well, and looking forward to getting to know all of you all in the days and years to come. And so Calvary, we have something that we would like to say to these new friends. In response to your decision, we pledge our. to invite you all to have a seat for just a moment. And then if you would follow me out during the benediction, I know lots of friends would love to meet you as you leave worship today. Just a reminder, as we always do when we practice Lord's Supper, we take up our Samaritans fund. And that is a fund that goes toward emergent needs in our congregation and in our community. And know that that fund is used often and it is used well. So we appreciate the ways that you give generously to that. Also, I wanted to call your attention to Wednesday. If you have a a flexible lunch, we would love for you to join us at the Hippodrome on Wednesday for Lent at the Hippo. It's something that Calvary has been invited to be part of with several other downtown-ish churches. Um, Doors are going to open at 11.30, but our program will begin at 12.15, and it will be similar to, like, TED Talks. You'll hear talks from different pastors around town. This week is Leslie King and Aaron Conway, and we are excited to hear from them. We ask if you come, if you could consider ordering lunch. That will help us to support the Hippodrome, to support their services, and to be able to use the Hippodrome for free. Um, So I hope that you will join us for some of those get-to-know-other-people and continue to help us form beloved community outside of Calvary in our greater Waco community. And lastly, I know many of you have been asking about Allie this morning and I wanted to share an update on Allie. Our youth minister, um, Allie's dad, has been terminally ill for quite some time and he did start hospice care yesterday. And so Allie and her mom, Kathy, have moved into the hospice house so they can be with Russell 24-7. Hank DeHaye is actually on his way back to Waco today. He got to go spend a few days with them. Um, But they were so excited. They sent me a picture of the Calvary, sorry, I'm climbing right up on top of you. This exact hymnal was in their room at the hospice house when they got there and it says Calvary Baptist Church at the bottom. Now, chances are it's a very different Calvary Baptist Church in North Carolina, but that meant so much to them and it, the, your encouragement has meant so much and it helped them realize that their Calvary family is close with them during this time. So thank you for that. Would you stand and join me for this benediction? Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, bringing strength for every moment. And comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.